Good morning, friends. It's so good to be back here with you this morning. Happy Juneteenth and happy Father's Day and summer solstice and happy end of the school year. I know there's always lots of teachers and professors here and I hope you are all finding a moment of respite after what I know is another very difficult year. So happy all of these things we are celebrating this morning. You're probably wondering why I am preaching about hospitality to strangers as we celebrate all of these holidays. And the answer is that I did not properly consult my calendar a few weeks ago when I gave Jill my sermon title for this morning. But I hope, my poor planning aside, that something in my message today will catch you and resonate with you whatever you are celebrating or struggling with or worrying about on this Sunday morning. I'd like to open today by reading a poem by Irish poet David White. And the poem is titled Camino. The way forward, the way between things, the way already walked before you, the path disappearing and reappearing, even as the ground gave way beneath you, the grief apparent only in the moment of forgetting, then the river, the mountain, the lifting song of the skylark, inviting you over the rain-filled pass when your legs had given up, and after it would be dusk, and the half-lit villages in evening light, other people's homes glimpsed through lighted windows, and inside other people's lives, your own home you had left crowding your memory as you looked to see a child playing, or a mother moving from one side of a room to another, your eyes wet with the keen cold wind of Navarre, but your loss brought you here to walk under one name and one name only, and to find the guise under which all loss can live. Remember you were given that name every day along the way. Remember you were greeted as such and treated as such and you needed no other name. Other people seemed to know you even before you gave up being a shadow on the road and came into the light. Even before you sat down, broke bread and drank wine, wiped the wind tears from your eyes. Pilgrim, they called you. Pilgrim, they called you again and again. Pilgrim. So that poem has been on my mind since I returned late last month from a two-week pilgrimage to Scotland, along with a group of congregants from the First Unitarian Church of Providence, Rhode Island, their minister, and my former minister, who now, lucky for him, is spending part of his time leading pilgrimage trips for other Unitarian Universalist congregations. And together we walked the West Highland Way, a trail that begins in a suburb just north of Glasgow called Mulgai, spelled M-I-L-N-G-A-V-I-E, Mulgai. <laughs> and then it winds its way 96 miles northward around locks and streams and through increasingly remote moors and mountains until it ends at the port town of Fort William. Now the West Highland Way is a beautiful and well-maintained long-distance hiking trail, but it is not a pilgrimage route in a traditional sense. There is no shrine or holy relic or sacred site at the end of the trail. But as our Unitarian ancestor, Theodore Parker, prayed, be ours a religion which, like sunshine, goes everywhere. It's temple all space, it's shrine the good heart. Which is to say that for you use, any trip done with spiritual intention can be a pilgrimage. Be it long or short, across the ocean or in a neighborhood park. So for a few weeks in May, 
our little group took our intentions and questions and set out on a pilgrimage through the Scottish Highlands. And this was not my first pilgrimage. In 2019, I was lucky enough to be able to hike part of the Camino de Santiago, the ancient pilgrimage route associated with St. James in Spain. And that same year, I also helped lead a group of congregants on a UU history pilgrimage of Boston and Concord. And I was hooked, totally hooked on pilgrimage. Since then, I've read travel narratives from ancient and modern pilgrims, studied the history of famous pilgrimage routes, and explored the theological meaning of pilgrimage, and I'm already trying to plan my next one. The UK-based conservation organization, the National Trust, defines a pilgrimage as a devotional practice consisting of a prolonged journey, often undertaken on foot or on horseback, towards a specific destination of significance. It is an inherently transient experience, removing the participant from his or her home environment and identity. The means or motivations in undertaking a pilgrimage might vary, but the act, however performed, blends the physical and the spiritual into a unified experience. And that blending of the physical and spiritual is one of the things about the pilgrimage experience that most captured me at first. But on this particular trip, this particular pilgrimage to Scotland, it has me contemplating another part of that definition. The part about removing the participant from their identity. Removing the participant from their identity. See, out of all these trips that I've taken, this was the first pilgrimage where I did not know the people I was traveling with. Besides my wife, who traveled with me, and my former minister, I met the 16 other people I was traveling with for the first time when we all gathered in the hotel restaurant at Mulgai before we started our walk. So the first and primary identity that I held with this group was that of pilgrim. And yet I was met with hugs and warm words of welcome from the beginning. They shared band-aids and granola bars, dry socks and trail maps, as well as their vulnerabilities and spiritual questions and deep joys. Well, pilgrimage is always a reminder of how fragile we are and how dependent we are on others. And I felt this in Scotland when one particularly bad blister resulted in kind of a full trailside medic team with various members of the group offering every manner of bandage and tape and antibiotic ointment that you can imagine. And in return, I shared pours for my little flask of very delicious smoky scotch that I carried with me on the trail. And these folks did all of this without knowing me or anything about me other than that I was a fellow pilgrim. Remember, David White tells us, you need it, no other name. And the hospitality followed me onto the trail as I encountered the Highland locals. I don't know if anyone's been to Scotland, but the Scots are a very friendly bunch and they are generous with conversation and with assistance. And they wanted to meet us and share very real conversations, not just small talk. It was very easy to get waylaid along the trail and reach your destination much later because you were talking to all of the folks you met along the way. And they shared directions and they warned of coming weather changes, which happen a lot in Scotland, the weather changes every 15 minutes. Uh, they gave up seats and pubs for weary travelers and offered advice on particular scenic views or particularly tasty whiskeys. And one bus driver washed, refilled, and returned a group member's misplaced water bottle because he didn't want someone returning to the trail without proper hydration. And these Scottish folks did not know me, 
be on the boots and day pack that mark me as a hiker along the West Highland Way. I was a pilgrim. I needed no other name. And this experience of hospitality, while meaningful, is not unique to this time or place or particular trip. It is an ancient tradition and at the very heart of pilgrimage. See, historically, history, hospitality to pilgrims was so important that St. Benedict even includes a special section about receiving pilgrims in his monastic rule, which has guided religious communities for centuries. And pilgrims who hike the Camino de Santiago still wear scallop shells on their backpacks. Now this tradition dates back to the pilgrimage's medieval origins in the 10th century. See, early pilgrims were not blessed with the weight distributing REI co-op trail 40 pack with you know, padded straps and the hip belt. So they often carried very few belongings with them and relied instead on the kindness of strangers, innkeepers and shop owners and monastic communities that they came across along the way. And that shell was a symbol that marked them as pilgrims, deserving of respect, safety, and hospitality. And the Codex Calixtinus, one of the oldest travel guides in the world, a very important Christian text, and really the first text devoted to Camino pilgrimage, advises everyone should receive pilgrims, both rich and poor, who are returning or going to Santiago with charity and with respect. And even if you aren't familiar with practices of religious pilgrimage, perhaps you recognize some of the same principles and the practices and values of long distance hikers. For example, informal networks of what are called trail angels, who are you know, folks who provide rides and beds and water and supplies for folks who are on long distance hikes uh, along the Appalachian or Pacific Crest Trail. And the moral and religious roots of this practice of hospitality towards pilgrims are even more ancient than the pilgrimage routes themselves. How many of you have heard some version of the scripture from Hebrews that says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares? You see it a lot of times on needlepoints and little figurines and stuff. Um, and this, this comes from in Genesis, God appears to Abraham and Sarah in the guise of three traveling strangers to whom they provide water, food, and a place to rest. And this isn't just common to Jewish and Christian scriptures. Uh, Greco-Roman literature, such as Homer's The Odyssey, is full of instances of gods who disguise themselves as travelers. All strangers and beggars come from Zeus was a common refrain in the Greco-Roman world. My particularly personal favorite example, though, is the resurrected Jesus's first appearance in the Gospel of Luke. Disguised as you probably guessed it, a traveling stranger, Jesus walks alongside two of his despondent disciples who have left Jerusalem after Jesus's arrest and crucifixion and are traveling to a town called Emmaus. And they walk with the stranger, they share their sadness and their fears, they discuss scripture, and when they finally stop to rest for the night, they offer him hospitality, a place to stay and food to eat. It was only then, Luke tells us, that he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. I'm sure we could spend the rest of the service thinking of other examples. This is such kind of a common type of myth. I mean, it's even familiar to anyone who's ever seen Beauty and the Beast, right? The whole reason the prince is a beast in the first place is because he refused shelter to an enchantress who was disguised as a beggar woman 
who then curses him and his whole household for his lack of hospitality. Which, honestly, there's probably a whole nother sermon there about the kind of ripply repercussions to other folks in your life about denying hospitality, right? So this is a very, very common type of story. And these stories where divine beings appear as traveling strangers in need of hospitality are called, in academic terms, theoxony myths. So there's a 21-point Scrabble word for you, theoxony, <laughs> T-H-E-O-X-E-N-Y. And they are, in many ways, the inspiration and impetus for the hospitality historically afforded to pilgrims. And while these stories not, might not be top of mind for the Spanish farmer who leaves out a basket of fruit for Camino pilgrims, or the friendly Scottish bus driver who refilled my traveling companion's water bottle, I think they still live in our bones in some way. Because I think they speak to a deep and sacred truth about our existence on this earth. I think it's a paradox that is embodied in the practice of pilgrimage, but that holds truth throughout our whole lives. And that paradox is that we are all humble traveling strangers on this planet, merely passing through and entirely dependent on others and the earth for our survival. And we are all gods in disguise, human embodiments of the divine image. Often you hear about pilgrimage kind of being used as a metaphor for life, right? Emphasizing that our time here is a journey, one that might include detours, but that deserves patience as we seek wisdom and truth. Our own UU hymnal, Singing the Living Tradition, has a few songs that use this imagery. For example, sing out praises for the journey, pilgrims we who carry on. And I do think that's an apt and beautiful image. But what this trip to Scotland, this trip where I was a stranger who was greeted as a friend, what it has emphasized for me is that the power of this metaphor isn't just in what it tells us about the road we have to travel, but in what it tells us about who we are while we are traveling that road. We are pilgrims our whole lives. We are pilgrims, traveling strangers who are seeking that which is sacred, reliant on the hospitality of others on that journey, all while carrying the spark of the divine within us. Remember, you were given that name every day along the way. Remember you were greeted as such and treated as such, and you needed no other name. Pilgrim, they called you again and again. Pilgrim. Remember you needed no other name. Embodying our identity as pilgrims, ask us to embrace a deep humility, one that recognizes our fragility, our dependence on others, and even our mortality as we contemplate our place as temporary visitors on this planet. And at the same time, it asks us to embrace our fundamental worthiness. As pilgrims, we are deserving of hospitality and kindness. We need no other name. We do not need to be called CEO, or doctor, or Nobel Peace Prize winner, senator, homecoming queen, or class president to receive a pilgrim's hospitality. This identity then, this name of pilgrim, brings with it both a deep freedom and a sacred task. The freedom 
is in allowing ourselves to let go of some of our constant strivings for worthiness, our need to be perfect, to keep up with the Joneses, to stand out in a crowd. It allows us to just be. Pilgrims, after all, are seekers. They are folks who almost by definition do not have it all figured out. Through all of our questions and doubts and stumblings and imperfections, we are still worthy of hospitality and kindness. But the task, the holy commission that comes with embracing our pilgrim identities is that we are required to show others that same hospitality under those same conditions. When a weary traveler comes to our door, we are called to answer, welcome pilgrim, here you need no other name. So in short, setting aside academic talk about theoxony myths and ancient monastic rules, my message today, the lesson that I brought home with me from this trip to Scotland, is let's live our lives like we are all walking around wearing scallop shells all of the time. A visible symbol that says we are both an image of the divine and entirely dependent on one another. I mean, imagine that. Imagine the possibilities that would open up, the barriers that would break down, both large and small. Imagine if migrants arriving at our southern borders were wearing the scallop shells of pilgrims. How would Border Patrol or Congress or ICE respond if they embraced our shared human identity as pilgrims? Imagine the application process for basic social services, housing, food, medical care. If we really believed, you need no other name on this application. If we truly lived like everyone was a pilgrim, both in need of and deserving of hospitality. I mean, imagine that your house is a wreck and you don't have any ingredients for the perfect nice like cheese boards you see on Instagram and you don't have any good wine and your neighbors pop by to say hello and they are wearing scallop shells. You can't hide, you know, out of view of the window so they don't see you when they're knocking. The Pilgrim's Code says you have to welcome them in. And perhaps you would learn that perfection is not a prerequisite for connection. And imagine feeling at the end of your rope, worn out and weary and in need of a safe place to rest, either literally or metaphorically. Your friends have busy lives and you don't want to bother them with your troubles. But guess what? You are wearing a scallop shell, entitled to the hospitality and care afforded to all pilgrims. I will be honest that for much of my life, I found the little needle points and figurines with the verse about entertaining angels unaware a little cheesy. <laughs> and maybe this idea of everyone walking around wearing scallop shells is just as cheesy, perhaps more so. But I know that we continually neglect to treat ourselves and others with care. And I think our survival and flourishing is kind of dependent on us figuring out how to do that. So I am going to draw on every metaphor and image and model I can find that might help point us in the direction of more care, even if they are cheesy. Right now, that is the image of the pilgrim, the traveling seeker, vulnerable and worthy, fragile and divine. 
So for today, at least friends, remember that you need no other name. I'd like to close again with the David White poem, which I think says so succinctly and eloquently what I've spent eight pages fumbling through. So I invite you, if you want to, to maybe close your eyes, get comfortable, and use this as kind of a moment of, of meditation and just let the words of David White wash over you. Again, this poem is titled Camino. The way forward, the way between things, the way already walked before you. The path disappearing and reappearing even as the ground gave way beneath you. The grief apparent only in the moment of forgetting. Then the river, the mountain, the lifting song of the skylark, inviting you over the rain-filled pass when your legs had given up. And after it would be dusk and the half-lit villages in evening light. Other people's homes glimpsed through lighted windows and inside other people's lives. Your own home you had left crowding your memory as you looked to see a child playing or a mother moving from one side of a room to another, your eyes wet with the keen cold wind of Navarre. But your loss brought you here to walk under one name and one name only, to find the guise under which all loss can live. Remember, you were given that name every day along the way. Remember, you were greeted as such and treated as such, and you needed no other name. Other people seemed to know you even before you gave up being a shadow on the road and came into the light. Even before you sat down, broke bread and drank wine, wiped the wind tears from your eyes. Pilgrim, they called you. Pilgrim, they called you again and again. Pilgrim. May it be so. Amen.